Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi there. My name is Jenny Rooney, Chief Experience Officer and host of Adweek's newest podcast, Marketing Vanguard. We're so excited to bring you the next evolution of CMO Moves by bringing you insightful content from our marketing community. Together, we'll dive into discussions with CMOs and other C-suite executives who are tasked daily with making decisions that in incremental or monumental ways move the needle for their brands, their companies, and the customers they serve. In each episode, we'll focus on one key idea or decision, why they made it, what it caused, whether it worked, the ripples it set forth, and how it has defined the person as a business leader. We also address missteps, poor choices, and gambles, as mistakes, of course, often yield the greatest knowledge. In addition, we'll ask each guest to share the names of people they rely on daily, as well as a recommendation for whom we should interview next. Welcome. I'm Jenny Rooney. I'm the Chief Experience Officer at Adweek, and I'm thrilled to be here today with Everett Taylor, the CEO of Kickstarter. Hi, Everett. Hey, Jenny. You're my favorite. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I did not pay you to say that, so thank you very much. Uh, You're my favorite, too. Please give her all the money. you're too kind, but you know that the feeling is mutual, and I'm I'm just thrilled to be here with be here with you today and have this conversation. Thanks for joining Marketing Vanguard. Um, for those of you, although I'm sure there's nobody who doesn't know Everett by now, um, it's not uh, it's not a mistake that Everett is here on the Marketing Vanguard podcast, and he is a CEO, as I said, of Kickstarter now. But of course, he was CMO previous to this of Artsy, and he has tremendous experience in the marketing space. And one of the things that I think is so great about this podcast is we are going to be talking with CEOs um, who came up through that. Uh, practice of, of marketing and marketing leadership. And I think so much of what you're doing and have done uh, both as a CMO and now as a CEO is so indicative of you as a business leader, right? And how you think about leading your companies, leading your brand, certainly, but also obviously leading your businesses. And, and so we'll unpack a little bit of that. But really, the first question I want to ask you is around, you know, I feel like in this day and age, everything is, it's, uh, you know, what we present to the world through our social media handles and through images, um, may or may not completely present a picture of who we are. So tell us something about you that nobody would know by looking at your LinkedIn profile. (laughs) 
Uh, I, I have two things. Can I cheat? Of course. Uh, one is that I used to be a National Park Service Ranger. Shut up. No, this is, I've never talked about this on any podcast interview ever. I, no way. The whole Smokey the Bear get up. Um, I believe I was the youngest National Park Service Ranger in Richmond history in that, in that, in that program. Um, so I serviced and was a historical interpreter um, to two Civil War museums, three Civil War battlefields, and also the Maggie L. Walker historic site. Um, she was the first woman to own a bank, and she happened to be a black woman from Richmond in the historic oh Jackson Ward, which was nicknamed the Harlem of the South. And that played such a huge part in my personal journey because, one, it allowed me to interact with people from all over. You know, being from Richmond, Virginia, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up with much money. So the opportunity to meet people from different countries that spoke different languages and had different experiences really helped mold me as a person, a man, as a marketer. Um, that was a really huge part of part of that. And then also to be able to learn how to communicate to people and speak in front of people and mm -hmm. um, engage people uh, and, and, and understand all of those things. So that was like, interestingly, <laughs> a big part of my journey. I don't even have it on my LinkedIn, oh my um, but that was, that was something that I did. And the second piece that no one will quite understand ever is my life experiences. Like I came from the gutter, I came from nothing. And I've been, you know, homeless. I've been, you know, some people know about that, but what people don't realize is like all of the things and unique experiences I've seen in my life. That that amalgamation of all those experiences, those things from not having to having to um, being, you know, going all over the world, meeting all different types of people, experiencing different things. Look, I'm a 33-year-old CEO. My experience is different <laughs> than most CEOs. I might be turned up and having fun and being young and all of those things. And so I think my unique experiences um, as a person um, is something that's not necessarily reflected on that. And, you know, we talked about this before, also being... Uh, an executive that's in the spotlight or known or more of a public mm -hmm. figure, those experiences are even different. And so I've just, there's no one I come across that I don't feel like I can empathize and I feel like that empathy is my superpower. And that's what I was going to say because having had all those experiences, it must translate into like you you completely know what it, what it feels like to be anybody that you're that you're seeking to serve or market to or, you know, engage with, right? I mean, you must 1, have- 1,000%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could be it could be anybody from the wealthy, like you know, at Artsy it was a range. It was from the wealthy to, you know, new collectors that maybe didn't have as much money or, you know, you know, working with like influencers. We talked about the power of influencers and creators. I'm an <laughs> influencer myself. I work with different brands or, you know, understanding what it's like to be a public figure, but also understanding what it's like for no one to know you even exist or care that you exist. Like I've seen everything. I've been around billionaires and I've been around the homeless. Like I've, I've seen the, the gauntlet of the human experience. Um, and so I feel very, very fortunate to have had the experiences and in, 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 that I've had throughout my life. What would you have been 
if not a CEO? That's a hard question. <laughs> a CEO of Kickstarter or a CEO, period? Because you know I'm a hustler, Jenny. CEO of Kickstarter. Okay. If I wasn't a CEO of Kickstarter, I'm entrepreneurial by nature. Yeah. Um, and so I probably would have still ended up a CEO. Um, realistically, <laughs> probably a marketer. You know, like if I wasn't a CEO of Kickstarter, I'd probably still be on the the marketing path. And I know so many talented marketers that don't get a shot to be uh, a CEO, which is why I feel like a huge responsibility in this role. But yeah, realistically, I'd probably be a marketer. But you know, um, you know, at the end of the day, were there I'm, other other paths that you you sought to take at any point in your life? You know, what's interesting <laughs> being at Kickstarter. And seeing all of the cool things from like, I'll go to Sundance and like, I'm like, oh man, I think I want to make a film or like, <laughs> I'll see some musician and I'm like, man, maybe I can make an album or, or maybe create a comic or, you know, I see all these things and I just get inspired every day. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just very uh, inspired by the creativity and the arts, but ultimately like Jenny, I'm a disruptor. Like I'm someone who I want to change the way we look at things if you look at like the past roles i've been you know cmo skirt um was like trying to democratize yeah. transportation and make it more yeah. accessible pop social was helping brands where you know the instagram algorithm was was hurting brands and people couldn't grow and reach their audiences on social media so i wanted to give that away for 50 bucks a month which instagram didn't love too much <laughs> and then you know uh you know being at artsy democratizing that space changing the system making it more accessible making it more um inclusive and doing the same thing at kickstarter so i'm very inspired by kind of disrupting different systems and so whether it's me being an activist or working in the nonprofit space or shifting shifting change one of the things i'm really inspired to do is like ending homelessness like I have this idea for this company nonprofit called 2044 which would be the goal to end homelessness in America by 2044 so like those are like solving societal issues is something that's really in the heart of what I want to do right and what I like about what you're saying or what I'm hearing and what you're saying is it isn't about disrupting disrupting just for the sake of being a disruptor you have you have intention you have d intention behind that to right wrongs when you see them, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't there's a problem. A yeah, I'm but sorry, as an as an entrepreneur, but you know, that's your drive, and it goes back to what we were talking about, and sort of um, you know that empathy that you have. So you probably see things that that other people may not see readily, and that's where you can see the opportunity to create change. One thousand percent. That's I'm not look. I'm not some white guy from Silicon Valley that's trying to disrupt or throw the disruption word because he wants to build a billion dollar unicorn. Like I want to disrupt because I see how messed up the world is in so many different facets. And so for me, uh, the thing that, that was appealing to me about Kickstarter is like, man, we can really shift the music industry and the film industry and the tech industry and all of these industries um, on one platform. Like how mm. cool is that? I think I have the coolest job in the world. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I want to let you tell. <laughs> no, you should tell people, you know, what, what you're doing, where Kickstarter is in its journey. And then we'll come back uh, to some other questions. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Kickstarter was started in 2009 um, and is, you know, really is the genesis of, of crowdfunding, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's 
creative and reward-based crowdfunding, which we're on, and there's donation-based crowdfunding, which is GoFundMe. The two kind of giants in crowdfunding is GoFundMe and Kickstarter. And the way I explain it is, you know, GoFundMe is if your grandma is in a hospital and you need to pay her bills, you go to GoFundMe. If you're mm-hmm. trying to create a cookbook with your grandma's recipes, you come to Kickstarter. You know, it's very that. different, um, very different companies. But the thing about Kickstarter is I love Kickstarter. The ethos mm-hmm. of Kickstarter, what it stands for, all of the things that it's brought into the world, um, you know, some of the companies that it's created, the economic impact it's had, the lives that it's changed, the the joy that it's brung from film to art to tech products, um, everything. And um, I think that's a huge responsibility to be there, but also one that feels so fulfilling, like that you are literally at the intersection of culture, but you're also at the intersection of changing people's lives and impacting mm. the world around us. Mm. And being at Kickstarter now, I feel like the company, although it had you know a couple of its best years during the pandemic years, um, or its best years ever, was still very stagnant as a brand. And from a marketing standpoint, brand standpoint, and a product standpoint, and a business standpoint, everything. And what I'm really excited about in this opportunity at Kickstarter is to rejuvenate this brand and innovate what we think about crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Make it more inclusive, make people more successful. Um, I was just talking about this to a friend of mine. It's like, I don't want it to be an ephemeral experience going to Kickstarter where it's like, oh, I just went there because my friend, you know, Benny had an e-bike that he was raising money for. Like, I want it to be that like, hey, I'm really into tech gadgets. So I'm checking Kickstarter every week. Hey, I love music and I want to see what new new music projects are coming out or what new film projects are coming out or if I'm into fashion, comics, whatever. I want to really build community and engagement and retention on the platform because that's only going to make the platform more inclusive, make people more successful. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm we were launching two new business lines, which I'm really excited about, <laughs> you know, four months in, which is kind of crazy in, into this role. And so it's really for me about expanding beyond. Like to me, I look at Kickstarter. This is where Kickstarter went from 2009 to 2022 and now it's a new era and I'm not intimidated by that I embrace that and I'm really excited about that I mean you take the concept of impact to the next level right because it's it's more than just um you know you know creating societal or cultural change it's like actually creating a new definition redefining what crowdsourcing is you know as a business practice as as frankly a lifestyle practice or a a human practice you know like how we think about that approach and how um how people need to sort of adopt that new definition so that they can then go and do what they need to do, um, which is really, really deep. So, Of, of course, like, you Very know, cool. in, a, in a time and era, especially with the macroeconomic environment, and you see the music industry, there's more and more independent artists that need resources to create the music they want to create. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're an author, you have to wait on these big publishing companies to give you the resources to publish a book. Yeah. You know, there's so many things, you know, we've seen it in tech, like how many people can't get the funding that they need to create the things that they want. Like people like, you know, Peloton and Oculus and all these tech companies had to go to Kickstarter because they couldn't get the funding. You know, and now they're juggernauts. And so to me, for us to be able to help more and more people 
bring these things to life and bring them to reality is really inspiring. Really upending the process. Um, Shifting gears real quick. um, I was a soccer player when I was young, all growing up, and I love that game. And I'm just going to use that particular uh, game uh, as a reference point to ask you, uh, you're a player on a soccer team. Are you the striker who's at the front of the field seeking to score the goals? Are you at the midfield line trying to sort of hold the base and be that connective tissue? Or are you in the defensive line and trying to protect the goal from the offense coming down the oh, field? I'm a midfielder for sure. Okay. And, you know, midfielders, man, that's an exhausting, <laughs> uh, you know, you're up and down the field. And, and, and the thing that's interesting about midfielders is they really remind me of CEOs because, okay. you know, a lot of times it's the strikers that get all the love because they're scoring the goals and things like the forwards and everything like that. Yep. But one of my favorite basketball players, I know I'm changing this to from basketball. Totally to, fine. From, from football. <laughs> but um, it's Magic Johnson. Yeah. And the way he would assist and make his teammates better. You look at LeBron making his teammates better. And that's why the midfield position has always been attractive to me because I was a point guard playing basketball and it was always about assisting people and making people better. But sometimes it's a really thankless job. Like you're that connective tissue. You're the person that's like making things happen. But people don't say thank you to the CEO very often (laughs) or, you know, uh, you know, people in certain executive positions. And so, But that's not what I want to do. Like, I'm so inspired by seeing my team be successful. So let's talk talk about that because I've asked this question of CMOs. And now that you're a CEO, I'm so curious to get your answer. You know, who are your best collaborators? Who are your go-tos? My best collaborators? Uh, To be honest, I mean, everybody. I can't, Mm. like, pick one you know one single person that is like my best collaborator because in this role I'm so dependent on everyone from my head of product to my head of marketing to my head of engineering and legal and people in HR to finance like I love my team like mm-hmm. it's like picking your favorite child or something you know it I just can't pick you know my favorite my favorite collaborators or the people that are my best collaborators because they all play such an incredible, um, you know, part in my life and my career and the things that I do. Um, so it's just really hard to pick like, yeah. you know, three, three, three or four people that really do that. I will say that the people that really stand out in my life uh, number one is my executive assistant, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Um, she is so integral to my success mm-hmm. um, as a CEO, uh, to my mental health, my sanity, everything, mm-hmm. you know, uh, managing my schedule, all the things like, you know, like a, a lot of CEOs don't have as much external stuff that I, that I have. And mm-hmm. um, I'm so appreciative of her and everything that she does. Like I couldn't get through my day without Kristen Mm. and I, and I feel very, very grateful to have her. Um, and then also my COO, Sean, um, Sean Liao, he is honestly one of the, the kindest human beings I've ever met in my life. I mean, he bleeds Kickstarter and he's in it for 
the love and to help people. And and, and I, I genuinely love the guy. I've known him for, for too long, but he is um, really an incredible person. And then, um, you know, my whole executive leadership team from my chief strategy officer, John Leland, to uh, Diane, my chief strategy officer, everybody is so great. Um, I just can't, I can't just pick just a few. And, um, you know, I was speaking to people on our customer support team the other Mm -hmm. day and I was like, wow, like you are so important to what we do. So everyone is a great collaborator. And then I'll, I'll, I'll make a last final shout out to my friends and family, like who always show up and support me. And it's not one particular person every day. It might be one person today. It'd be another person tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, But people show up. Jenny, you've shown up for me. There's been moments in my career where you've shown up at the right time. And I think there's just special people in your life, friends, family, that just show up for you on any given day. And, you know, I think that's a really beautiful thing about life. Mm, It's a symphony, right? We need Mm -hmm. all the component parts to keep us going. So um, I love that. Um, You referenced inspiration earlier, and I've talked to executives who find, you know, when I've asked them, what do you need? They said they need inspiration, right? They need something to kind of continue to inspire them and spark creativity and spark ideas. You're surrounded by inspiration now in your job. But where would you think if you had to isolate one example of where you get where you go, where you seek inspiration, where you find it? Um, where would that be? Okay, this this might be a, kind of a obvious choice from what you just said, but I find inspiration from our users and our community yep. every single day, um, from the impact that we're having on their lives, from the feedback that they're giving giving us, whether it's positive feedback that inspires me or it's negative feedback that really kicks me in the butt that the community and users that we currently have really inspire me. You know what inspires me more Hmm. is our future users. Oh, that's exciting. Our future community. Yeah. That's what inspires me. Yeah. To see more people of color on the platform, to make it more inclusive, to see people from all different backgrounds being successful. Like that, like, yes, the current community and users inspire me, obviously, but the expansion into maybe it's the marketer in me, you know, that yeah, user acquisition. Well, let's let's talk <laughs> but, about but yeah, that's that's the future, the future users, the future people that will utilize this platform is what inspires me more than anything. So you just referenced, you know, maybe it's the marketer in me. So let me ask that question. What are the things that define you, define you as a marketer that you absolutely are carrying forward into this role? It's a little bit of what I spoke about earlier. It's the the power of empathy. I think marketing at the end of the day, to me, marketing is the art of understanding people and engaging people, right? That's that's really what it is. It's like understanding people. It's very human. And, it's and totally engaging human. people. It's human connection. Yep. And that empathy is extremely important um, in everything that I do um, from marketing and now into the CEO seat from understanding what our users need from a product side, from a customer support side to a marketing side to um, everything, you know, from a payment side, like every aspect of the business. And then on the flip side is the work that you have to do internally. 
like inspiring people, keeping them engaged, making sure they're aligned. Um, I tell people all the time, like being an executive, not just a CEO, but really just being a leader in a company is also like being a therapist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like hearing about people's problems, problem solving, all of those things. Um, You're like a relationship counselor. You're a therapist. You're a friend. You're all of these different things. Um, But ultimately, you know, being a marketer and understanding the power of empathy Mm -hmm. is the thing that has, has served me really well in this role. Tell me about a time you made a decision, because um, I'm very fascinated in these conversations um, with executives. I like to focus on decisions, right? Just every single day we're making decisions, and it's crazy. To th- it can be overwhelming when you think about all the all the forks in the road that you face daily, right? And and it's that's how you keep business life moving. Um, but tell me about a time you made a decision, and 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 the ripple effects um, that it has had for your business. Oh man, um, two things. Two things come to mind. Um, number one is uh, the creation of these two new business lines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, throughout Kickstarter's history, Kickstarter's only made money one way, and not only does that limit us as a business, mm-hmm. um, but it also limits uh, the success in the empowerment of our users. Um, the two new business lines is digital marketing and pledge management. With digital marketing, we're going to be helping people reach new audiences and be more successful on the platform. I want to see a world one day where if you have a great product and a great idea, I don't care how much money you come from, what your sexual orientation is, what your gender is, what your race is. You're going to be successful on Kickstarter mm-hmm. um, due to engagement on the platform, but also through our digital marketing services and really scaling that. And we're going to start off really slow um, and, and scale that up over time, you know, working with select creators at first. But I'm really excited about the overall impact that that, that this can have on our business, but also helping people. Um, the second thing is uh, pledge management which helps creators on the business side. You know, before, you know, you used to raise money before pledge management and there's other pledge management services, but I think we're going to do it the best. You know, you raise money on Kickstarter, but it's like, how do I get my products to people? How do I figure out taxes? How do I figure out all these different things? Now Kickstarter will offer those services. And again, we're starting off small and we'll scale it up over time, but I'm really excited to be able to offer that. And something that hasn't been done in Kickstarter's history is helping people develop once their campaign ends. With pledge management, people will be able to still take money and support post-campaign. And we've seen in the numbers, people on average make 30 to 50% more just from that. And so just think about that from a business perspective. When you bring in something like digital marketing and the impact it's had on businesses like Etsy, digital marketing services, and then pledge management, think about the the revenue implications in terms of how much we can grow Mm -hmm. just based off these two new business lines. And where the ripple effects come is like, one, the industry itself, right? Innovating within this industry and providing and listening to our, our, our constituency and, and, and providing them the things that they need to be successful. Um, but number two, it's a whole new level of expectation at Kickstarter. The mm-hmm. status quo 
is not acceptable anymore. Doing things the way that we've always done them is not acceptable anymore. Staying stagnant isn't acceptable. And so this pushes people. It makes people feel uncomfortable. Mm. makes people have to work maybe maybe harder than they've ever had to work before. Think harder than they've ever had to work before. And execute better than they've ever had to before. And so that's not only sending ripple effects throughout our industry, but it's also going to do that internally too. And mm-hmm. so I'm really excited about, um, you know, really innovating in this industry and what that extra capital can do as a company to help more and more creators out there, as well as provide opportunities internally um, for the people uh, that work at Kickstarter. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I love that. You talked about making a decision and the ripple effects of that. Have there been times when you've decided not to do something? So sort of the alternative, the flip of that? Um, like not make a decision at all or make... Because the second thing I was thinking about was it, it's kind of like not doing something. We had uh, an artificial intelligence project on Kickstarter and it made, it made some waves in the news. And... Uh, I had to decide whether to let this project continue mm-hmm. or take it down, right? And um, this project was harmful because it was stealing artists' work. Mm-hmm. And also there was some pornographic aspects to this that were um, a little bit alarming um, with the project. And, you know, in this in this decision, I had to make a decision that had huge implications um, to how the community felt about us, Um, you know, the Kickstarter community, which is super passionate. Um, And so, you know, making the decision to actually take that down, that that was a huge decision. So it was like the decision of not doing something but actually taking away something, right? But that's what I mean. Sometimes I think we have to intentionally decide not to do something, in order to yeah. drive business forward. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was one of those things. It wasn't like we were creating anything. We're actually losing money. Um, we're actually maybe closing ourselves off to um, you know, new A- new AI projects that maybe were kind of in line with this. But ultimately I made that decision and it was celebrated by our community, right? It was like, wow, Kickstarter is listening. Kickstarter gets us. Kickstarter understands 
they're empathetic towards creators and artists and people like that. And so is there a lot of money in like some of these AI projects that like still artists work and things like that? Absolutely. But I don't want to live in a world where Kickstarter is giving a platform to things like that. Yeah. How about a mistake you've made and what have you learned from it? It doesn't have to be here. It can be any time in your, in your career or in your life. Make mistakes every day. <laughs> I will say, I will say, um, biggest mistake. Um, I'm going to say a personal one and a professional one. You guys can choose which one you want to keep. Um, in my personal life, I wish I invested more time into friendships and family as I was building my career. Mm. Um, and the past few years has been kind of rebuilding back those relationships and getting back in touch with people and things like that. I was so focused in my early to mid twenties on my career and trying to be successful in all of these things. Um, I think I spent so much of my um, uh, early to mid twenties so focused, wanting to be successful in all of these things that I didn't spend enough time with family. I didn't spend enough time with friends. I didn't spend enough time giving myself self-care, you know, and understanding that. And (laughs) it sucks when you're like spending holidays alone and it sucks when, you know, you're like, I need to get picked up from the airport and I don't know, uh, I don't know who will pick me up and things like that. And so, you know, I made a mistake not developing as many relationships as I should have um, you know, in the early part of my career, because honestly, those relationships, the, that friendship, that self-care is what, you know, keeps me going today. And so that's one mistake. I think, um, I think the second thing that I would say is I remember taking my first CMO gig at 25 for a company called Sticker Mule. And it's like the biggest, um, sticker company, printing company, um, probably in the world. Um, and, you know, it's expanded to Europe and all those things. And um, I will say this. I was a great marketer and I wasn't a great leader. I didn't know how to be a CMO. I was really, really great at marketing. Mm-hmm. And what I learned in that role was that I didn't know how to be a leader or be a CMO. And at that point in my career, I had been at smaller companies than Sticker Mule and not having to manage a bigger team and things like that. And what I learned is through the mistakes that I made in that role was that you could be the smartest person. You could be the best marketer. It doesn't mean that you're a great CMO. Mm. It doesn't mean that you're a great Everybody should, should stop on that for a minute and think about that. That is so key, right? It's so key. Like, to be honest, no offense to my C- CMO friends out there, like, most CMOs I know aren't the most brilliant marketers I've ever met. Mm-hmm. But they might be great they're brilliant leaders. leaders. Yes. Exactly. They're brilliant leaders and they're brilliant people and um and all types of things. But you know, we 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 the, the, the thing is is like some of the most talented marketers out there are ICs, individual contributors and things like that. And so uh uh, that was a big important lesson in my career was learning that like you could be the best performance marketer, best growth marketer, best, you know, email marketer, whatever. You know, I really prided myself on being a full stack marketer and understanding all of these disciplines. 
but it doesn't make you a great CMO or a great leader. And so although I grew Sticker Mule, I wasn't, in my opinion, I failed in being a great CMO and great leader. What do you fear the most and how do you overcome that? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, what I what I fear fear in my personal life or as a business in general? We can keep it in the context of business. Okay. As a business leader. Uh, as a business leader, the thing that I worry about most is not being able to take care of my people. Mm. Um, at Kickstarter, we have millions of people using our platform. Mm -hmm. We have thousands of creators every year that depend on us. Um, we have all of these people that are users and backers on our, you know, millions of people that are backing people on our platform and supporting people. And a lot of those people, they want these products, they want these things in their lives. But more importantly, who I care about more than anything is my team, mm -hmm. their families, mm -hmm. their well-being, their mental health, being able to put food on their tables, being able to support their kids, being able to support their families, and anything that prevents me from providing for them, as well as our users and the people that utilize our platform is what, what, is what I fear. Mm. That's, that's the biggest fear for me. Like That's what keeps me up at night is like, anything that puts in jeopardy their success, their livelihood. Um, you know, when I see a project on Kickstarter and <laughs> I really believe in it, it was like this film project today and they were like 10,000 behind their goal with like 24 hours left and I was like sweating bullets. This is just one out of thousands of projects mm -hmm. and I was sweating bullets because I was like, I really want them to be successful. You know, it's like a healthy fear there. But, also, but you know, that's the interesting thing about being a CEO and what people don't understand is like the level of responsibility that you have on your shoulders, especially for a larger platform like Kickstarter. And so my fear is really stemmed from not being able to take care of my people. And that's, that's, where, that's your empathy. That's the empathetic nature of you that you gained in, uh, you know, your early experiences. Um, Marked difference in that feeling and weight of responsibility as a CEO as opposed to a CMO? Oof. Um, as a CMO, you feel that empathy for your users, you for your audience, your customers, et cetera, et cetera. Especially your marketing teams. And like, you know, some marketers like myself, I've stretched with, you know, with product and people and other functions within an organization. But you tend to stay with like your immediate team mm -hmm. more so than anything, and then obviously the users. And and what I will will say about marketers is that they they tend to care about the users and the customers almost more than anybody in a in a absolutely in an organization. Yeah. So, but what the the stark difference is from CMO to CEO is that you have to care about everyone the same way. Not to say that CMOs don't care about everybody, obviously. No, no, of course, yeah. But you have to care about everyone, period. Not yeah. just your marketing organization. Some people's marketing organizations are thousands of people. Yeah. But you have to care about 
every single person equally yeah. at that same level. That's a lot of responsibility from top to bottom. And um, that's a huge, <laughs> that's a huge re- a responsibility and that's a huge weight. And that's the difference is that as a CMO, like you don't have to care. You don't have to care at that level about everyone within an organization. We'll be right back with more Marketing Vanguard after this quick break. All right, Everett, um, connect the dots between your work, the work of the team, and the growth of your company's business. Obviously, this is an area that CMOs are so focused on, and, and we certainly here at Marketing Vanguard are trying to sort of hone in on that as best we can. What's an example of financial momentum your efforts directly spurred and obviously that's marketing efforts ideally that directly drove the business forward yeah i would say two things in the first few months number one is that you see an inflection point in q4 um, after i started where we had our best quarter of the year and i think a lot of that was from the energy and a rejuvenation of the brand of bringing in a new CEO and yep. I'm over here, I'm speaking here, I'm doing interviews here, I'm pushing this on social, I'm doing all of these things. We're directly talking to our community. Um, our brand team um, leads these project updates that I speak to the community every month and I'm telling them about all the amazing things that we're doing and bringing to them um, and really having this very customer centric approach and much respect to, you know, uh, Sean, John and Diane who were leading the team really before I got there and still is leading the team. I don't do it by myself, um, for putting Kickstarter on his path, but like really getting in there and saying, Hey, you know, one of the things, one of the big things was, uh, before I got there, people couldn't put a pixel, like, you know, the meta pixel to do digital marketing Mm -hmm. for their projects. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. People should be able to do that and to be able to allow people to to use a pixel for their digital marketing, for their crowdfunding projects is a huge change for us. And so I came in, brought some energy and you saw that inflection point, but you also saw this focus and this velocity in releasing products that directly impacted our community and our creators that use the platform. Mm. Um. Tell me a little bit about that point you made. You are very visible. You're very out there. You're doing a lot to um, evangelize the brand, evangelize the business as a CEO. And that's a departure from what we see from other CEOs. I mean, some do, but in other companies, you know, the CEO is less visible and arguably puts their CM out there, CMO out there for, you know, speaking engagements or, or, or the like. Why have you... Because you've made it a concerted effort, like it's an intentional effort on your part. Why did you find or feel that that was just going to be so important for you to really be out there um, and, and be having the conversations publicly about what Kickstarter is all about and why you're there? Can you name one CEO, founder, executive that you remember from Kickstarter ever? Most people can't. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think it was important to put a face to that I saw with the exponential growth that we had at RT with me putting myself out there and being an evangelist for the artists and the community there, that the economic impact that that's had. Mm. And I'm going to do the same here at Kickstarter. Yeah. Jenny, I'm tired. 
I literally, my schedule is insane. I'm really genuinely an introvert. It's not, this is not something that I enjoy doing, but I feel a responsibility to, to do so, to get us out there because of what I spoke about earlier. I care about my team. I don't want us to fail. I want us to grow this industry. I want to want to grow this business and I want to help more people. And so for me, I feel that responsibility to do so. And if I can leverage half a million people on Instagram, you know, a quarter of a million of people on Twitter and all these different platforms, then why not? Why not leverage leverage that? My social media, my Instagram is bigger than Kickstarter's Instagram. It's crazy, you know? So it's it's important to be able to leverage that as a channel. I did it the same for RT and other businesses yep. um, that I've created or I've been an executive at, and you know I'm just repeating that playbook. But I feel that responsibility to do it, even though it is really exhausting, Very and it, it takes a lot out of you because, you know, I, I was telling someone recently. You know, when you're a CEO and you're not visible, you go in, you do your job. It's a tough job. And then you go back to your family and do whatever you got to do. For me, as I go in and do my job and then <laughs> I'm doing a podcast, I'm doing a speaking engagement, I got all these people reaching out to me for mentorship and help and things like that. Because I'm so visible, I mean, think about it. How many, when you think about tech companies, how many black CEOs can you name Mm. that at, are at like household name or billion dollar tech companies. You really can't name many, right? A, I can maybe enough. think of two or three, yep. you know? Uh, it's not enough. And so I think, it's an, I think it's important too that I have a responsibility to show people that one, you know, black people and people of color and people that are underestimated can do this job and do this job well. And number two, for the marketing community, you know how much I care about the marketing community and know the amazing leaders that we have within the marketing community that don't get a shot in these roles. I don't know why the hell I was the one to get the shot, but I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it and I'm going to try to bust the door wide open for other marketers to be in roles like these. That is quite a thing because um, I have to imagine you feel that extra weight of responsibility in being really a representative of what's possible. And how do you carry that mantle as far as you want others, other people of color to see your story, to see how you've grown into this role? Um, Talk a little bit about that, you know, how you sort of own that responsibility, navigate that responsibility and and how it continues to drive you forward. Yeah, it's. um, It's not easy, Jenny. Um, it's not easy because uh, my entire life and the entire lives of many people that look like me and come from backgrounds like me were constantly undermined, underestimated, not given chances, not given opportunities. And <laughs> again, like I said, every day I'm exhausted. I'm mentally taxed from just being a CEO of a company that deals with as many people as we deal with. But I think about the sacrifices, the generations of people before me that came, the civil rights movement, everything, all the, all the, all the sacrifices that were made. And that's what drives me. You know, that drives me knowing that <laughs> our first world problems compared to my ancestors and the mm-hmm. generations before me and the things that they did for me to even be in the position that I'm in. And so it's a huge responsibility. Um, but 
I I take it with pride in my head held high. And I know that, um, you know, I was, I was talking to someone recently, like how many black CEOs do you see on the cover of magazines? You know, how many black CEOs uh, do you, you know, there's... I love what happened in 2020 because you saw a burst in like a lot more black CMOs and black people getting the CMO opportunity. Didn't see it with CEO though. Yep. You saw it in other functions, but you didn't see see it the same way in the CFO, COO, and CEO seats, mm-hmm. you know? And I noticed that. And so for me, um, I'm really hell-bent on uh, driving results here and mm-hmm. making a mark letting my story be told and then hopefully, hopefully showing that example of other people. You saw Bose when she went over to Netflix and you saw an influx of, that's why Forbes probably named her most influential CMO because one of the reasons is she, like her going to CMO as Netflix and chief brand officer at Uber, like a lot of people saw that and was like, ooh, we need a black CMO now. You know, (laughs) we need this. Um, and I want to be able to do the same for others as well as to show that example, but also show the results behind the work too. I love it. Um, that goes right to my next question, which is that, you know, if Vanguard literally is defined as a group of people leading the way in new developments or ideas, what's an example of a development or an idea that you have had that has led the way for your company or for the industry? And, and you know, how would you measure success? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm four months in and we already talked about the business lines, right? Like centralizing those new business lines and and, and creating more success for, um, you know, for our users and the people that use the platform and grow in the industry. But the one thing that I do want to touch on that I'm actively working on is something called Ford Funds. And what Ford Funds is, is Kickstarter is an all-or-nothing platform, right? So you have to hit your goal. And if you look at the, the, the raw data and numbers, the most successful people on Kickstarter is white men, <laughs> by far. Not women, not people of color. And what Forward Funds is going to do is bring extra capital onto the platform to be dispersed through different organiza- from different organizations or bigger companies or... or um, um, philanthropists that want to support the creators on the platform. Mm, so if like you're a black filmmaker and you have a goal uh, uh, to raise $25,000 for your short film and you might be five to 10 K short, then maybe that, that Ford fund can help you bring that dream to mm, reality. It's amazing. So I'm really inspired to really scale up this program, bring millions upon millions onto the platform every year develop our own nonprofit within Kickstarter to help do that and really help people at scale, especially people in arts, music, and film and other categories where, you know, you might not have the physical product that might be as enticing on Kickstarter and things like that. And so that's something that I think is going to revolutionize the industry Mm -hmm. um, at scale and really attract a lot of new people because, if people know they can be successful on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. it's intimidating as hell to do a Kickstarter, <laughs> right? And to know that there's funds to support people that look like you. Yeah, that's so On cool. the platform. 
is a game changer. And so I'm really excited, working on some really big deals right now that I'm really excited about to bring more capital onto the platform um, to change lives. I love it. Um, our goal with Marketing Vanguard is to pay it forward. So the last question I'll ask is, who's next? Who would be um, the next industry leader you would recommend we interview for Marketing Vanguard? Oh, uh, I'll stay in the CEO suite. I don't know this person uh, uh, personally. Yeah. Um, but I just just everything that I've been seeing, I've been so um, inspired by her is Carla Vernon. Um, she became um, the CEO of Honest Company, Jessica Alba's company, mm -hmm. um, this year, I believe, like in January. Um, and she's, she became the first Afro-Latina CEO of a U.S. publicly traded company. Unbelievable. Insane. First CEO role, you know? It's so um, great. An Afro-Latina woman. And so I love the Honest Company. I love what they're doing. And, I, and you know, for her to take the helm of a publicly traded company, um, I think is really, really incredible. And I'm sure her story is amazing. And so I would say people I know, but I've, I know their stories. I don't know her story. That's okay. I haven't really seen her. I haven't seen it. So I'm like, I'm just curious. Maybe I'm just being nosy. I'm like, I want to know what, 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 what happened with Carla. Like, how did she get there? So Carla Vernon of The Honest Company. We will, we will reach out. So yes. um, Everett, thank you so much. Thanks everybody for being here and joining us. This has been Marketing Vanguard. Thanks again, Everett. Thank you, Jenny. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.